Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're talking about the Zillow Beast. And when the Zillow Beast strikes back. Why be any type of beast other than a Zillow Beast? That is a great question. Uh, I can think of one very good answer. <laughs> Possibly two. <laughs> so this is a two-parter. And we start on the planet of Malastare, which is the home of the Dugs. And we've met Dugs before because Sebulba was it's one. It's Sebulba's people. And yeah. he is a great representation of what they have to offer. Well, I mean, they offer... Big horsey faces, and they walk on their arms instead of their legs. And they've got very nimble feet, like when you meet a ballerina, and their feet move just like hands. <laughs> that is that is the dugs for you. And they are being just hammered by a massive separatist invasion, and it is a fuel planet, and it's extremely important that the Republic grabs onto them. This is all exposition at the beginning that there's a treaty about to be signed between the Republic and Malastare to get this fuel. Mm -hmm. It's another econ lesson in the propaganda reel, which just I think is so funny. <laughs> but this episode, it starts like a bad dream. I mean, I don't remember the last time we saw such a massive droid army. Yeah, it's like um, a Battle of Geonosis mm -hmm. scale, just like row after row of droids and tanks. They have everything. They have tactical droids, vulture droids, spiders. Mm -hmm. And they're charging in, but the Republic has a secret weapon. And so we've got a bunch of clones sitting there, standing out in the open, shooting back at the droids or shooting back at them. Mace and Anakin are watching over and they say deploy the bombers with the electro-proton bomb. Yes, which is a big, chonky thing that a Y-wing flies up overhead and they drop it. It's kind of like the opposite of Lockdurd's biomatter bomb. Exactly, So yeah. it, it gets everything that's droid, metal, mm -hmm. anything that's not living, it seems to affect. Yeah, so when they drop it, they're on the phone with Palpatine, and Palpatine's like, oh no, I'm getting interference, because there's a big, huge explosion, it knocks over all these droids, and then this enormous electric orb appears and zaps everything, including Anakin's arm. Yeah, it spurts a little bit of electric. Yeah, mm -hmm. he kind of gives it a wiggle. And all the tanks, like settle to the ground and right then a huge crater starts appearing right underneath where they dropped a sinkhole yeah it's like florida <laughs> your whole school just goes down yeah i mean it's like a lot of places and it's as a as a geophysicist it's interesting to me what could make a sinkhole like that form and we're about to find out so a whole bunch of the clones have fallen to the bottom of the sinkhole babies and Mace says, Anakin, you go get the Malastare Council to sign this treaty. I'm going to go rescue clones. He flies down and he finds a rock covered in dust and also in handprints. And some of the hands appear to have been dragged away. Mm -hmm. And he finds a helmet and they're walking along. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're aboard the Zillow beast. He literally wakes a dragon. It is like... 500 feet long. Should we describe the Zillow Beast for so, our listeners? Yeah. Biggest schmonster I've ever seen in Star Wars. It is really the ultimate schmonster. So this thing has a uh, how to train your dragon face. Head. Yeah, it's got that a very face. toothless face. Glowing green eyes. Five arms? It has three arms, two legs, and a tail. Yeah. And the arms are located uh, 
symmetrically, so 120 degrees from each other around its body. Sort of an overwhelming number of appendages. We'll just say that. It's slinky. Yeah. It slinks around. Not chunky. There's not a lot of meat on those bones. No, it's it's got like these long three-fingered hands and the fingers are like noodly tentacles except each one's the size of you it know is like very a... noodly it's like a spaghetti monster yeah <laughs> guess what it is also immune to lightsabers which anakin learns when he's uh mace is like get down here now and anakin's like cool and he flies in in his fighter and r2 is like he's like r2 turn on the lights and r2's like and then, oh, nope, never mind. I see it as he's like flying around this enormous beast. And then it goes after Anakin. Right, which gives Mace enough time to escape. But Anakin is snickersnacked with the tail and whacked into the wall of the sinkhole. Yeah. So there's a rapid fire. Anakin saves R2. R2 saves Anakin, my boy. We really lean on R2's rocket thrusters in this episode. Great point. Yeah, enough that I feel like this is why we don't see him use him as much later because he like burnt him out or something. Because oh really rely on them. I have to call out that moment when Anakin swan dives into empty space and then R2, he like wraps his arms around R2, cleared my skin, watered my crops. It was the best <laughs> thing I saw all day. And then they land on the edge of the, the crater and R2 like just falls to the floor he's just like this is terrible he's like i tap out why do you keep doing this to me i have had a hard day (laughs) (laughs) uh so then we are talking with the malastarians the dubs dubs, really put the jedi in a hard place they Mm -hmm. say either help us kill the zillow beast Mm -hmm. or no treaty well what they say is that yes we knew that there was the zillow beast here uh, we had to fight them and defeat them in order to start mining the planet's core for this delicious fuel that we Jeez, sell you. They are our ancestral enemy. Mm-hmm. And they have this like scroll of how to kill Zillow beasts that they all like keep secretly looking at and not know, showing the Jedi. I know. So the Jedi are talking with Palpatine and Mace has the point of view of like he's it's a living creature in the force and it's the last, the of, its last kind. of its kind. I'm not going to let the dog kill it. Mm hmm. Palpatine is like, I think we should either kill it instantly, however we can, or take it back. And Anakin manages to broker an arrangement where he's like, what if we pretend to kill it? To- and then yeet it into the outer rim and nobody will ever know the difference. Yes. And so... I really actually wish we had gone with Anakin's plan on this one. Yeah. So they get a bunch of uh, electro tanks lined up. And they're about ready to make this plan happen when the Doug decide to start pumping fuel, uh, which is apparently made out of glow stick juice Mm -hmm. on top of this thing. Mm -hmm. They get the first move. Yes. And so they're like, okay, joke's on you. We didn't actually need your help. We're going to dump radioactive green glow juice on Mm -hmm. this schmonster and murder it for you. It climbs out. And starts uh, just wailing on everything because the Doug have these like, they look kind of like airport trucks with the staircase on them that they use to shoot Frisbees full of explosives. And they're like shooting it at the Zillow Beast and the Zillow Beast just does not care about explosives. And no thing. it climbs out and just in time for Anakin and Mace to use their tanks to zap it. Mm-hmm. They put it to sleep. They whip out a little credit card reader so that the Dugs can, like, formalize the treaty, join the Republic. 
Mm-hmm. And now they have babysitting duty. They now have to take this stunned Zillow beast back to Coruscant so it can be studied. Mm-hmm. Because Palpatine points out it could maybe improve the Republic's defense technology. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's something that's made out of lightsaber-proof material. Maybe worth looking into. Although, it's funny, only the Jedi have lightsabers, so why would you need to (laughs) outfit an army versus lightsabers? We're going to have to talk about the Palpatine shadiness in this arc. I do have to say, Anakin and Mace give each other a look at the end of the first episode. They're like, same shiz, different day. Yeah. Just another crappy day to be a Jedi. Yeah, right after they land, right after they zap it down, Mace is like, are you sure it's down? And Anakin's like, I'm sure. You go first. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. But then Palp says, I want you to bring it not to resettle somewhere, but to a place where we can six scientists on it to learn its secrets. And he's like, what are you thinking? And he's like, well, how about Coruscant? And Mace is like, well, crap. And that moves us into the second episode of Sark. Hashtag worst idea ever. Okay, we have the Zillow Beast, and now we have the Zillow Beast Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. So, fortune cookie for this episode. The most dangerous beast is the beast within. I can relate to that. I just want to say there's so many frowny faces in my notes that it is almost funny. My notes just say Zillow Beast over and over and over again. Well, that is also accurate. Whenever it goes into Zillow Beast mode and just like screams and throws tanks at each other. Zillow beast. Accurate. We open this episode, the clone troopers and Anakin and Mace are bringing the Zillow beast to Coruscant in this gigantic cruiser. Mm -hmm. It's still asleep. Palpatine already looks devious when he walks out to Mm -hmm. greet them. And he doesn't waste any time. They go into the special facility where they rigged up this electro barrier cage for the Mm -hmm. Zillow Beast, and he talks to the doctor, the scientist, Dr. Bowl, and he's like, maybe we should just kill it. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, that is the worst idea I've heard in this litany of terrible ideas. It's the last of its kind, yeah. There's so many reasons why this is a terrible idea, and Mm -hmm. yet Palpatine is Supreme Chancellor. Mace, I will say has really, I think, seen what Palpatine is up to. So he's talking with Obi-Wan, and he's like, you know what we need? Someone the Chancellor is obsessed with Mm -hmm. who can change his mind. And Obi-Wan is like, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Have you also considered throwing Padme at this problem? My read of that was that Obi-Wan's like, okay, so I know you're talking about Anakin. How do we get Anakin to do things without us telling Anakin to do things? We ask Padme to ask Anakin to do things because that's how that situation felt to me. Throw your wife at this problem. Exactly. I love that. Then Padme, Anakin, R2, and 3PO? Yes. End up in Palpatine's office. Yes. They have a rousing debate about animal cruelty. Although R2 and C-3PO aren't really part of that. They are not. They are just there. They're they're furniture. They are. They become... One of them becomes useful. (laughs) R2 once again becomes useful. So Padme is on side animal rights. Mm -hmm. Palpatine is on side utilitarianism. Doing the most you can, the the most good you can for the most amount of people. Yeah, but he's really selling it with this like time pressure. 
Mm. He's really like, you have no idea how many, you know, death reports come across my desk, yada, yada. Yeah. Oh, he's so gross about it, too. Mm -hmm. I think his line is, isn't it worth the life of one savage beast to give our brave troops the advantage they need to win this war? Yeah. And this whole time. So he's also like previously been in front of the Zillow beast talking with the doctor. And then later on, he's on holocron with the or hologram with the Zillow beast. And it, the Zillow beast seems like it understands his intentions. It's tuned in. Yeah. It's yeah. It's understanding him. As usual in this scenario, Palpatine is just able to play Anakin like a fiddle. Padme's oh like, whose side are you on? Yeah. Happy wife, happy life, my dude. <laughs> Did no one tell you this? And Anakin's like, well, the Chancellor's making some really good points. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, I just threw up a little bit. It is it is a really odd dynamic that they have. Because this happens multiple times. The pad Whenever you get Padme, Anakin, and Palpatine together, Anakin and Palpatine are on like the same team and it's yep. very strange to see. Yep. Yeah. It's really tricky. Meanwhile, back in the laboratory, mm-hmm. Palpatine actually orders Dr. Bowl to kill the Zillow Beast once and for all. Mm-hmm. So nothing that Padme and Anakin had to say changed his mind at all. Well, no. Obviously. Uh, Dr. Bowl developed this poison gas out of the glow stick juice from Malastare. Yeah, it's concentrated gaseous glow stick juice. Yeah. Which, she did it in like two minutes, too. She's obviously very good at her job. Or she's got access to uh, Dr. Vindy's lightning yeah, chamber. Yeah, underground of, lab. Yeah, I press this button and it turns it into poison gas. Like, okay, whatever, Ew. dude. <laughs> Guess what? It is basically just powerful enough to make the Zillow Beast mad enough that it hulks out. It hulks out. And rips itself out of the containment facility and starts making its way towards the Senate building. Okay, Sam, I know this is a King Kong reference. Someone tell me why my first thought for this scene was, oh, this is exactly like Rugrats in Paris (laughs) when Reptar got loose in Tokyo. I mean, because it's it's such a it's such a trope, and it's interesting coming off of the heels of Bounty Hunters because oh, yeah. that is a uniquely like Japanese art. That one of the the Seven Samurai story is like a very traditional thing, and then fast forward a couple hundred years, and you have the very uh, not stereotypical, but the trope of the monster and the monster which is above and beyond control, and that's the original Godzilla. Yes, which is obviously what the Zillow Beast is based off. Yes. And then, of course, Reptar predates all of them going back to biblical times, but... Nothing but respect for my formative monster movie, which (laughs) apparently is Rugrats in Paris. (laughs) Takes all types. So there's this incredibly dystopian scene when Palpatine gets on the loudspeakers of Coruscant, and he's like, I'm sure the Jedi will fix this soon. Mm -hmm. The Zillow Beast dives for the Jumbotron and just smashes it. Yeah, it knows that Palpatine is the bad guy. It knows. Mm -hmm. It does a little bit of damage. It then comes after Palpatine and our friends in his office. Mm -hmm. There's a very funny scene when Anakin's like, I am reminding you once again that it is time to go to the emergency escape hatch. And R2 is like, I totally hear you. I'm already out the door. Amazing. They skedaddle. Yeah. And they get in a very cool ship with uh, one Senate guard and then the rest of the crew here. And then the Zillow Beast promptly snatches them out of the sky. 
Yeah, and that's when your King Kong comes in because they're flying around. And at that point, Mace and Yoda and Ayla are about to shoot the Zilla Beast down with their cannons. But Yoda says, no, the Chancellor might get hurt. And okay, so what they decide to do is they decide to distract the Zillow Beast because he's holding this plane and he's like, ah, yes, this is exactly the nut that I want to crack. Mm-hmm. And so Ayla and Yoda hop on the yes. Zillow Beast. Which is a real boss level for both of them. Incredible. Mm-hmm. As Anakin is trying to like can opener his way out of the ship, mm-hmm. he's trying to help them escape. There is an amazing banter back down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is like, ah, it appears to be one of Anakin's improvised plans. And then Mace goes, how can it be a plan if it's improvised? It's, it's just like so much shade. What Obi-Wan says is my favorite part. He's like, don't worry, just catch him when they fall. Yeah. And then Rex is like, yep, yeah, Skywalker does a lot of falling. <laughs> Skywalker's so plans involve a lot of falling. So, so, so great. <laughs> so true. So true. They then fall off the edge of the building. Yeah, everyone's sliding down the building and has to come up with their own uh, survival strategy. Anakin gets Padme. Yes, barely. R2 gets 3PO. He harpoons himself and then 3PO he, like, lands on his head. Yeah. against the building and then 3PO like grabs him and is like, ah. Then they fly off using more fuel. They did not get Palpatine. So Palpatine is still in the front half of the ship. Everyone yeah. else fl- uh, flew out when they can't open her and escaped. And mm-hmm. then, so they're just about there. They're deciding to run away. And Anakin sends R2 to use the last of his fuel to rescue Palpatine. And conveniently, no one gets the clone trooper. Well, that was a Senate trooper. So that's not even a clone. That's someone who was wealthy. Wow. He gets smashed by one giant Zillow foot. Yeah. Then there is a really horrific scene. This is where the clone troopers are bombing the Zillow beast with poison gas Mm -hmm. that Dr. Bowl has perfected. It's enveloped in this radioactive green cloud. It's screaming and dying. The Jedi are holding the poison gas off. Yeah, they make a very cool force bubble. And then it dies. Yeah. And they cart it off Coruscant the same way that they carted it in, except Mm. this time it's not asleep. It's just dead. Yeah. And then there's the last little stinger, which is Palpatine hands Dr. Bull her new orders. To clone it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a tough one. It was so fun until all of a sudden it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. You know, and the score was so beautiful Mm -hmm. in this episode particularly. I didn't really notice it in the Zillow Beast, but in the Zillow Beast Strikes Back, there were several orchestral moments where I was like, wow, this grand sweeping feeling is great. There's a beautiful, like, really fun heisty score playing when Anakin's meeting up with Obi-Wan and Padme in the bottom of the Coruscant building where Palpatine has his headquarters, the oh, Senate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and then there's this score that plays this orchestral sweeping score as the Zillow Beast is dying. Mm-hmm. And it was gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's interesting how much you want to root for the Zillow Beast. Like, there's absolutely no reason why the Zillow Beast is the bad guy, except that 
through the action of the players in the, the scenes, you know? Yeah. And it's really because no one stopped Palpatine. Yep. So on that note, where would you like to start? Hmm. I want to talk about why the Zillow Beast knew to go after the Senate building. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that during this watch through because the first time I watched this episode, I'm like, okay, it's kind of a heavy handed like homage to King Kong and stuff. Mm -hmm. And also the original science fiction, which is Frankenstein, a monster going after its creator. Mm. Hmm. Now, this is very much in the vein of Godzilla in that the creature is created by a weapons test. Right. You know, that's Godzilla. You set off too many nukes and it mutates a it's a little bit hulk as well yeah yeah which is uh somehow the same you know it's the americanized version you give it big beefy muscles and a big chin and now all of a sudden turn it green well godzilla might have been green and then you but you humanize it Mm -hmm. Beast is uniquely inhuman but also uniquely human in the sense that it really does seem to know what's going on the eyes feel very intelligent to me Mm -hmm. so How do you think it knew to go after the Senate building? Because it did smash off into Coruscant, doing all kinds of collateral damage. Mm -hmm. It climbs to the top of the highest tower or building it can find. Yeah. And then it turns around and it goes back to the Senate. Yeah. You know, I want to implant that question in our mind as we get to the end here, because there's a a lot of stuff that I think is going to support my final thesis statement. Okay. All right. Well, we can work our way up to it. So starting at the beginning with the idea of fuel and mm. Malastar and the importance, this is such a common thing that we've run into a couple times in the Clone Wars. I mean, we saw it recently with, with Ryloth and with a few other places of the and uh, the Toydarians, the necessity mm-hmm. of the Alliance building and how important that is for the Jedi to be doing, but then they're doing it as far as like gunboat diplomacy because they're bringing in like a huge pile of clones to say, hey, you need to join with the Republic now, otherwise the Separatists will eat you. Yeah, and I do really appreciate that some of the alliances that they form are with people that they transparently like. Mm. I feel like Yoda and everyone who was on Toydaria kind of liked King Katunko. They were happy to form that alliance with the Toydarians. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, this alliance with the Dugs starts out seeming like it's on pretty good terms. They're both pretty eager to get the treaty signed. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I think everyone is feeling a lot more conflicted. Oh, very much so. There's another line right then when their mace is like, so what are we going to do about this Zillow beast? Like, what's the plan? And they say, it's an internal matter. Yes. And that calls back to trespass, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden it becomes an internal You circle matter. your wagons because mm-hmm. you don't want to let the outsiders in. Yeah. I've been listening recently to some stuff going on in Ethiopia. It's uh, September of 2021 right now. And there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in Ethiopia. And, you know, the UN is unable to perform an investigation because of the security council stuff but mm-hmm. also you kind of have to have the local government allow inspectors in sure because sovereignty like, is a real yeah i mean as signatories to the un there's different things going on but like there's 
an element of, uh, you know, this is an internal matter. And as soon as you do that, you kind of get the feeling. There's something to hide. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you know, it's not like our country here is uh, signatories to most of those things anyway. So yeah, to avoid that. So it's it's interesting how much... How, how that chafes to us as viewers because we feel like we're the good guys because we think of the Jedi as kind of like super soldier cops. But in reality, like where is the line for an internal matter? And maybe the Doug way of doing it puts him to sleep for a million years or something instead of like vaporizing mm. him. Didn't seem like it. But. No. Okay. Do you remember how Watto was such a D-bag in The Phantom Menace? And then mm-hmm. we get to Toydaria and we're like, oh, the Toydarians were the best. Yeah. That is not what happens in this episode with the dogs. We're like, remember how Sebulba was a total D-bag? Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? All of these dogs are D-bags as well. That is speciesist. But all the ones we saw were D-bags, yes. Okay. Yeah. I shall rephrase. All the dogs that we met were D-bags too. So it's Sebulba and his D-bag friends. <laughs> Which makes me feel a little bit less conflicted mm-hmm. about... Everything that happens in this episode, they are just patently malicious. Yeah. So at the very beginning there also, we see this battle. And it's interesting because it's obviously a set piece battle, which is to say that the defender and the offender are meeting in a spot basically of their own choosing. Like Yeah, it's pitched warfare. Yeah. And the fact that like they're both able to pick up bombers and have air superiority and artillery and they're in small arms range says to me that like something different is going on besides the battle being fought as it is mm. despite the fact that it's a whole bunch of separatist armies like uh, previously in Felucia we see that like the republic will retreat and then come back to fight another day sure. why are we making this huge effort to hold down this planet and granted Anakin talks about it that like the offensive will grind to a halt if we don't have this fuel but It seems like doing a blockade in space would be easier and safer. It's interesting because then we have this one weapon and we drop exactly one Mm -hmm. and then something happens. It's pretty much as expected. And the sinkhole was definitely unexpected. Maybe. What Dr. Bull says, and I remember this specifically because I thought this wording was so interesting. She Mm -hmm. said something to the effect of, we've tested for every probability, every probable probable outcome. outcome." Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, that's such a great way to phrase it because it is so clear that they haven't tested for everything and there Mm -hmm. are improbable outcomes Mm -hmm. that are still possible. Yeah. And that's what Mace says, too. He's like, I'm worried about the improbable. Exactly. Because that's Mace. Yeah. So I found that really interesting. And then as Mace enters into the sinkhole, there's a very fun little shout out. So Mace's clone commander is named Pons. Okay. And he asks, in addition to Pons, for Trapper and Hawkeye. Yeah. Who are two names that are most familiar to those who watched MASH in the... With Alan Alda? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Alan Alda is actually Hawkeye, and then wow. the other guy's named Trapper, and those are their names. I thought that was really funny. That I is cool. That yeah. So I got a lot out of that initially, but I find it very interesting that out of all the places to test off this one bomb on this planet, this one legendary beast happened to be underneath it. Mm. It does beg the question. This was one sinkhole Mm -hmm. on one portion of the planet. Mm -hmm. How many other Zillow beasts are just hanging out under the surface? Who knows? Who knows? But also, at the very beginning, 
Palpatine is super on board with Team Super Weapon. Yes. And, you know, Anakin and Mace and Obi-Wan are like, I don't know. Like, we've fought droids before. It's no big deal. I don't know why we're doing this. And Palpatine's like, super weapon, super weapon. So this brings up a point that I desperately want to talk about. We're only in season two of The Clone Wars, and yet Palpatine seems to be becoming more and more transparently evil. Yes. I mean, by episode three, does anyone suspect him of treachery? (laughs) You know, it is interesting that that coverage. And so that is part of what I want to talk about with the Zilla Beast waking up and heading towards him. Okay. Yeah. My thesis, my hypothesis is that the Zilla Beast is a being exceptionally attuned to the Force. Hmm. Okay, tell me more. Okay. So Palpatine, and and this is very much Sam's headcanon. So take this with a grain of salt. I don't think anyone's actually really gone into depth with this episode because it's kind of a filler. But this one really spoke to me because of the nefariousness of Palpatine. So Palpatine is like, this is the spot we want to drop this bomb. Like, this is our pitched warfare. This This is our battle. We decided we're going to meet here at high noon. weird bomb in this XYZ coordinate. Yes. And sure enough, right underneath that XYZ coordinate, Zilla Beast pops up. Yes. And he's on team blow up this beast right away. But is he or is he on team? Let's oh, yeah. eat it out into the outer he, rim. He, well, that's what he's telling it. He wants it. Yeah. He wants it. Yeah. And then he also just happens to have, for some reason, allowed these crazy tanks, which can be useful for this purpose and this purpose only, uh, to already be on this uh, mission. There's already a apparently dragon trolley on the ship. Yeah, it's not like that was fabricated. It I mean, is a gargantuan cruiser that they need to transport. Yeah, I mean it. they put them aboard an acclimator, but they have like a whole huge hauler, hover hauler to haul the dragon. Right, right. And then, as you said, the beast immediately starts going after him and him in particular, mm. and it goes after Darth Sidious. Mm. Oh, you think it's sensing the dark side of the force. I think the Zillow Beast would do anything to smash a creature of the dark side. Wow. Yeah. I love that headcanon. That is my headcanon for this episode. Wow. And that makes it all the more tragic that they killed it. Because like, it didn't even seem to hardly notice when Ayla and Yoda were running all over it. I mean, that wasn't much of a distraction compared to a bunch of like gunships shooting at it, you know? So that is something that I noticed about the Zillow Beast as well. Obviously, it is gigantic. The Star Wars website lists it as 92 meters tall. That is, seems about right. About 300 feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. seems about right. What I noticed is that the Zillow Beast, in all of its smashing around, It was not targeting living creatures. Mm -hmm. It would smash its foot down and it might hit a clone trooper or a Senate guard, but it wasn't going out of its way to say, ah, yes, I'm going to smash my foot down here and get five people instead of one. Mm -hmm. It was all very incidental. The only intentional destruction it was trying to wreak was on Palpatine, which really supports your headcanon. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fact that so Palpatine is all on board with it once he realizes that it 
is lightsaber proof. Mm -hmm. And so what's his plan? Just the one of the previous episodes, he's talking about growing a bunch of secret Sith assassins. What would be great to put in Sith assassins? Lightsaber, lightsaber proof, proof armor. armor. Mm -hmm. Wow. So... Yeah, that's that's my headcanon with this one. It is Palpatine not not disproven by the episode, yeah, 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 which yeah. is what makes it yeah, a great yeah. headcanon. It exists in that nebulous space mm -hmm, outside okay. of what you can confirm or deny. So how does that relate to Palpatine being so obviously skeezy? And the answer is that like the questions that he is calling upon other people to make are basically direct quotations from famous conversations in history between prime ministers, chancellors, presidents, mm -hmm. and their chief scientists. I think anyone who's had to make a triage decision about a human life mm -hmm. has had to deal with a situation in these terms. Yeah. People dying, brave troops, you mm -hmm. know, what they need to end this war for once and for all. Yeah. Or it's for the greater good, or it's for the survival of the many. And it also goes back to a lot of things in like World War II, like, for example, the Doolittle Raid or the firebombing of Japan mm. or the Dresden firebombing, where if the sides, if, you know, we held war crimes tribunals at the end of it equally across the board, we would be sending our own presidents, our own chancellors Absolutely. before these war crimes Absolutely. tribunals. Because that is really what separates out a war criminal from a victorious leader is that that moment of victory. Yeah. And whether they do sit the tribunal or not. Exactly. So the, the fact that Palpatine is able to get past this all seems to illustrate that he is controlling a significant amount of, you know, he, he's acting as a war leader and people are giving him a significant benefit of a doubt for being a war leader as if that was a, an exceptionally difficult thing to do. I settled on three reasons why I thought people were giving him slack in this episode. And this was hard for me because obviously as the viewers, we get perfect knowledge. So mm -hmm. we know he's Darth Sidious. We have perfect knowledge of what's happening down the line. But I came up with three reasons why I thought people were letting him skate by. One is just that he's the Supreme Chancellor. Mm -hmm. He has the most power of anybody in the entire galaxy. More than Yoda, politically. Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Bull, the scientist who is very strongly against the decisions that he's making her follow, she says, well, if that's still what you want, then I still have to follow my orders. Yeah, which is also part of the war crimes thing, because at least, I mean, and we've talked about war crimes before on this show, because of course we have. That comes up a lot. But, you know, it is... It's a war crime to follow an order. And it's it, even like in all, every military on earth, you are, it is your duty to disobey an unlawful order. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's your duty spot. as a commander not to give an order that you don't believe will be followed. So you have to have mm -hmm. a strong moral compass and a strong pulse yeah. on the people that you're commanding. Exactly. So obviously Palpatine is twisting and corrupting all of that. Speaking of Palpatine twisting and corrupting, as the Zilla Beast is tearing across Coruscant and Palpatine is on every TV, the emergency holonet channel, he is saying, 
I'm sure the Jedi uh-huh. are very sorry for what harm they've uh-huh. caused us. He's putting all the blame on the Jedi. Just an incredibly brilliant and devious PR move. Yes. I really picked up on that. Now, because I've been reading the High Republic books recently, that fits in with the idea of the Jedi for a long, long time being the only military force above and beyond like local policing that the Republic needs. Mm. And so a force like this would be something that the Jedi would solve. In fact, that thrilling moment when Aayla Sakura and Yoda go fight the dragon, you know, that is exactly Jedi stuff, right? Like go send two Jedi versus a dragon and they'll yeah, like it. The knights of the realm go in to slay the dragon. Exactly. And the fact that that is a sideshow for what is really going on shows that there's something deeper going on. Yeah. The other main reason that I could think of that Palpatine is getting away with so much treachery, I'm just, you know, that I'm a newbie, so I don't really know the underpinning of mm-hmm. all of this. I'm guessing that he's such a powerful and skilled user of the force that he is successfully masking his intentions and his thoughts and true feelings from all the other force users around him. Yeah, absolutely. And something that popped up in this episode was I imagine that there's a moment where he is extremely grateful. So the front half of the ship that has Palpatine and unnamed Senate guard number one, soon to be deceased, mm-hmm. doesn't know it's his last day at work, but um, wow. they, it skids down and then Obi-Wan and Mace catch it and it's just hanging there. And I'm wondering how Palpatine felt in that moment. I think he was genuinely afraid. I think he was afraid, but not for the reason of his imminent death. Oh. I think he was afraid that he would have to show off his power. Okay, that is something that I thought of when they were trying to escape his office. Mm -hmm. There's a moment when he's running towards the elevator and he's banging on the door to to let the door slide up so they can get out. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, I thought he was going to be so afraid that he would like shoot force lightning or something out of his hands. That would have really shown his cards. Yeah. There was a moment where we could see that true naked fear in his face. Mm -hmm. And I read that really, you know, on the nose. Just I read it totally straight. He was afraid that he was going to die. Mm -hmm. He hadn't come up with his crazy force immortality thing yet so he might actually die yeah but it is way more intriguing to me that he was afraid that he would have to use his powers yeah. to get out of this alive yeah i almost had a feeling where he was like i girl bossed too close to the sun like this monster is too much that is very much the line that palpatine seems to be skirting in this episode he has raised this monster He has made a series of decisions, and he's going to have to deal with the consequences of them. And he wants this problem to go away quietly. Mm -hmm. In normal Palpatine fashion, he always has a contingency plan for when it doesn't. Because I wonder if it is that the will of the Force as a whole opposes Palpatine Mm. enough that Palpatine basically always has to play all possible angles to make his shots work. So he just plans ahead and then things work. Maybe. He's just so conniving that things work out for him to cover his 
behind. He truly does give me Littlefinger from Game of Thrones vibes, yeah. where if you plan for everything, you'll be surprised by nothing. Exactly. And that is very much what's going on with him. There's one more big thing that I really want to talk about mm -hmm. before the end of the episode, and it has to do with our fave Mace Windu. Yeah. So Mace is much more a bit player in the second episode, but in the first episode, the Zillow Beast, he is really the person standing in the way of Palpatine and the person standing up for the Zillow Beast as a living entity. And he is brooking no discontent with that. He's really holding on. And people really were calling him out on it, which I respected. Mm -hmm. Anakin doesn't really seem to be affected by the suffering of the Zillow Beast, but Mace is definitely sensitive to it. Yeah. So even when they're putting the Zillow Beast to sleep with their stunners, mm -hmm. I think Mace is really bothered by the sight of this great beast on the ground. There is that. Also, Mace seems to really hate telling people I told you so, and it seems like he really has to do it a lot. He really does. He just hates it. So I think Mace is really empathetic to what the Zillow Beast is feeling. And I've come to feel different things about empathy as an adult. Mm -hmm. I used to think empathy was my great superpower. You know, it was always the thing in job interviews where they'd be like, what's your greatest strength? And I'm like, it's my empathy mm -hmm. and my compassion for human beings. But there's times as an adult where I really think empathy is a weakness too. Mm. and. It brought this question to the forefront of my mind as I saw Mace really struggling with the suffering of this living creature. Is a Jedi's empathy their superpower or is it their great vulnerability? That is the question. Right? Isn't yeah. that the question? It is. And what's interesting is I believed we talked about this on the first or second episode of the podcast. And we're going to keep talking about this mm -hmm. same thing because this is what the Jedi Code is all about. This is how Anakin subverts the Jedi Code, mm -hmm. right? This is how the whole thing falls apart is because empathy is the most important thing. I'm reminded of a prayer, uh, the Great Spirit Prayer, which is a Sioux prayer. Mm -hmm. One of the lines is, I seek compassion without empathy overwhelming me. Mm-hmm. It's a great line. Yeah. But it makes me wonder because the Jedi are always trying to walk this fine line of having empathy and compassion, but not attachment. Mm -hmm. And the most powerful opponents that we've seen in the Clone Wars so far have been Palpatine. Yeah. And I would say Cad Bane. And neither of them have any empathy and they are unpredictable and unstoppable. Yeah. So I think empathy really is a great hindrance to the Jedi Order, as much as I root for it. Although in a way, I mean, the empathy protects them from all of those who would oppose them who also have empathy, which is the vast majority mm -hmm. of their opponents. So it does protect them that they have a moment's prescience that someone's about to shoot at them or something. That sure, yeah. That is only the coldest 
of unthinking, of unfeeling people who can actually affect them. Mm. Makes me wonder what Palpatine had to go through to get to that point where he could fool all of them. Yeah. Pretty wild. That is a great question. Yeah. My final thing about Mace, there is an image that is seared into my brain mm-hmm. and I cannot get it out of my head. So I thought I would force everyone else to see it too. Do you remember those PETA commercials, the uh, the animal rights organization, and they would do really sexy commercials with celebrities? No. Okay, well... PETA is an animal rights organization. They do really provocative advertisements to get people to go vegan and stop hurting animals. So they would have like hot celebrities posing naked with like vegetables over their bits. Mm -hmm. And since Mace Windu was the one animal rights person in this arc, I just like can't get this image of him in this PETA ad with like a carrot over his. Is it Mace Windu or is it Samuel L. Jackson? No, it's definitely Mace Windu. It's definitely not Samuel L., but like a carrot and two apples (laughs) over the bits. I just can't get this image out of my brain. Wow. All right. All right. It was my one moment of levity in a sea of frowny faces all over my notes. I was like, sexy Mace Windu PETA commercial. There we go. That's what I got. Some other notes I have moving right along. Uh, this is the first time we've seen Mass Ameda in a long time. Who is that? He is the major domo, the speaker of the oh, house. Oh, with the horns? Yeah, he's a Chargian. He's a blue dude. He always yeah. stands behind Palpatine. We haven't seen him in the Clone Wars in a long time. Yeah, also, I wrote down we got a lot of crazy alien races in this arc. We really did. And... Blink, you'll miss it, but this, I guess, canonically in order, is the first appearance of Mon Mothma. Oh. She is talking with Bail Organa in the Senate when the Zillow Beast climbs aboard it. Oh, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I loved the Ayla cameo as well. So I think... She was great. We're getting people slid in left and right, and it's really starting to make the universe feel so rich and full of these characters that we love and that we're going to come to love. Yes. And that is one of the most amazing things about the Clone Wars as a whole. Yeah. I have a difficult question. A difficult question. Yeah. How many arms does your bay have in this episode? Man, you just read me like a <laughs> freaking book. Is it, is it three? <laughs> It's actually six if you count the tail. Ah, 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 yes, Samuel, my bay is the Zillow Beast. And I thought I was going to whip this one out of my back pocket. And you were going to be totally shocked and totally like, wow, my girlfriend has great opinions. I could see you holding a Zillow Beast in your pocket from a ways away. I had a Zillow Beast. A football field. Yeah. Yeah, I had to get a Zillow B-sized pocket to mm-hmm. whip this one out. Which is real tough in women's clothes. Uh-huh. You try fitting a cell phone in your pocket, <laughs> let alone a 92-meter right, Zillow so, Beast. So beyond what the... I mean, so really for the Zillow Beast, it's a matter of what it didn't do. The Zillow Beast was chilling 
underground, actively not reigniting ancestral warfare mm -hmm. with the above ground inhabitants of its planet. Yeah. It did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. It provoked nothing. These freaking humans and dugs came blundering into its home mm -hmm. where it lived yeah. and messed everything up and then enveloped it in a cloud of deadly radioactive poison. Rave juice, yeah. And killed it. This yeah. is the saddest I've ever been about a Baywatch choice. <laughs> this oh. is not fun for me. Wow. This yeah. is my memorial to the Zillow Beast. You know, Sam, I'm really not one of those animal rights people. It's never been my hill to die on. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I get upset about animal cruelty, but I've never really gone out of my way to it, seek that out as a cause. It takes a lot of personal ability and passion to choose a cause to really go after mm -hmm. and i don't think that there's anything wrong with not identifying with a cause so strongly yeah. that you go out and do something it's but awareness by itself is a good way to appreciate yeah. any cause it's not my crusade cause mm -hmm. that i'll go to war for but i did have a real shattering moment when the zillow beast collapses to the ground the subtitles say that it went from shrieking to whimpering mm -hmm. and that really broke my heart mm -hmm. and i honestly am having a hard time thinking about watching more clone wars right now i'm just having kind of a moment about the zillow beast it is hard for me as listeners know to see something innocent suffer mm -hmm. for something that it didn't cause it didn't provoke wasn't its fault yeah and the Zillow Beast did nothing. Anakin even finishes the arc by saying, the Zillow Beast paid for our mistakes with its life. Yeah. And yeah. that's hard for me to get over. Yeah, it makes you really wonder how much Anakin thought about his own role and allowing that to move forward as well. So that's my bay. I'm not excited about it. I'm kind of putting up a memorial to the Zillow Beast. Mm -hmm. I hope you don't mind if I bring one home as a pet. I mean, we can fit a 90 meter Zillow beast in this house. We don't, we don't live together. You can, you can have it at your house. There we go. <laughs> I'll put it in the yard. <laughs> this is great. I'm excited. All right. Now I want to know beast. who your bay is. You know, it's, uh, it's been a while since anyone really popped up in the episode and like made me think that there was a real hero going on in the episode. Um, hmm. And so the Zillabeast was up there for me, mm -hmm. but I've, I'm already got a reputation as an antagonist apologist and I really can't ever shake that. I'm going to, I'm going to go with R2. That is a good choice. R2 is hilarious. R2 is my second choice. And I noted in my notes that it's been a long time since we've seen R2 as doing R2 things. Yes. We, he really shined mm -hmm. in this episode. We see him in the background like all the time, you know, and give a little chirp here and there. But he was active in this episode and he was doing R2 shenanigans. And you know what I just realized is that 
it might be that C-3PO is required for the shenanigans. R2 is show up for work, make it happen. And uh-huh. Whenever C-3PO is there, that's when shenanigans ensue. Uh-huh. R2 saves Anakin's life. R2 saves 3PO's mm-hmm. life. R2 saves Palpatine's life. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was really, really close to saying Palpatine. But it's a bridge too far because of my fan theory that he's mega-minding the whole Zilla Beast situation. I will tell you something terrible. There was a little corner of me that kind of wanted to make Palpatine my bae as well. Mm-hmm. Because he's so devious and he's so ironclad yeah. in what he's trying to do. I don't know. There was something in me that almost admired his commitment to the bit. That's how he gets you. Yeah, that I is know. how he gets you because he's gonna get me in a room with Padme and just twist me all around. Oh uh, yeah, that that whole scene. But like, that's how he. Yeah, that's absolutely how he gets you because that's exactly how you expect him to act in that moment. You know, be like, oh yes, he has a an iron will because that is what people expect out of a leader. People mm. are like, oh, I want someone who you know won't take guff from anyone and who will always do this and who's a good guy to have a beard with. And it's like, okay, so you're looking for Palpatine. Mm. You're looking for someone who puts on, wakes up, takes the Sith Lord Zoom filter off, puts Acts on their his heart out, yes, all day, and organizes results. Yeah, so that they always get what they want and are willing to spend just about anything to get it. I loathed him in this arc, and I admired him in equal measure. Mm-hmm. It was a really tricky balance. Yeah. I'm glad that wasn't just a momentary moment of craziness for me, because I was like, girl, what are you doing? No, no, that's that's the Palpatine. Wow. He's going to get us, too. Okay, so what are we watching after this? After this is season two, episode four, Senate Spy, where we meet Rush Clovis, which is, first of all, a great Ooh. name. And second of all, I totally stole the plot of this episode for a D&D campaign one time. So are you serious? I did. Did you have flirty Padme in your D&D campaign? No, I had uh, a jealous ex of my character's wife. And so I was DMing and I took, we all rotated characters and I had my character be the quest giver because I was DMing. And I was like, go kill my wife's ex. It was a wow. interesting, interesting back and forth. Yikes on bikes. Fun campaign. <laughs> that about wraps us up though. As always, follow us on social at Growing Up Skywalker, wherever you get your social and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes and send us emails at growingupskywalker at gmail.com. We read every single one. We love your feedback. And, you know, if you have an inkling that someone in your life is going around poking things and it always seems to work out their way and they might be Sith manipulating everyone, send us, send them a link. Don't maybe send them this episode. They'll get the feeling that we like them. Or that we're or that you're calling them out. But send them a link to, you know, yeah. the main page. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can always follow us on Patreon. We are producing lots of bonus content for you. So if this just isn't enough Skywalker for you, check out Growing Up Skywalker on Patreon and you can tune into all of our bonus series, including Sam's Naval History Minute and Spice Run. Spice Run. 
and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.